Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the channel. Yep, this week it's for real. This week is the week that we have to move our retail shop uh, from one location to the other. It's about 15 minutes up the road, so uh, it's going to be a little weird recording this week, but we'll have today's out and see how Wednesday and Friday go. It may have to be alternate days like last week, so. All right, let's read some stories. Winning April Fool's Day Our most senior back-end dev guy decided today was the day to become a legend. 8 a.m. to the director, he quietly sends a resignation letter. Panic ensues. This guy's business critical. He knows how everything works on a dozen products at code level and wrote a few of them. Bosses begin having heart attacks, and the director finds out the HR person that we would need to make a counteroffer is on vacation. So at this point, they're about to start waking up executives in other countries and kicking loose emergency negotiations, as he's that critical. And someone messages the guy. This really is not the best time for this. His response? No, but it is the best day for it. I'm sure they'll see how funny it was eventually. He should have waited an hour to see what kind of offer they came up with. Heck yeah, man. If he'd have waited an hour or two, they probably would have had him at double his salary. Holy cow. Although they might have figured out how to train somebody else and kick him out a year down the road, but who knows? I don't know. I've never been a big into the April Fool stuff, so it can get you in some hot water. The network guy. I work for an optometry supply company doing electronic repair and installation of everything you might find in an optometrist or ophthalmologist practice. The other day we were doing a relocation of a major optum chain store from one shop to another in a shopping center. I was busy doing my install of the new equipment, but also had to deal with their older gear. One of the pieces was a foropter and auto refractor setup linked to an eye chart. These all use serial connectors to communicate with each other, so I was a little thrown when they told me this one was connected via the network. After a quick squiz, I realized that they had wired the serial DIN plugs into RJ45 connectors and were using the network points on the walls to connect them across the different rooms and patching the ports directly into each other at the patch panel. Okay, no problem. The shop was abuzz with people moving, installing, and building stuff. I found the IT dude that was responsible for connecting the network to tell him what we needed. Me. Hey mate, this machine over here is actually connecting through the network ports with a serial connector, so I'll need to bridge ports 14 and 38 to give them a direct connection. Can you set that up and make sure it's labeled so no one tries to plug it into the switch because I don't know what that would do. Network guy. Blank stare. Okay, so you need to connect the ports? Me. Uh, yeah, but they have to connect to each other and not through the switch or router. It's a serial connection. Network guy. Me. Network guy again. Okay, I think I'll circle back to this guy later. I go on with my installs and eventually get to connecting up the foropter. Foropter. Hate that word. I set everything up and then go find the network guy sitting in front of the patch panel staring into the abyss. Me. Hey, so I need to patch those ports? Network guy. Okay, so plug in here? He pointed to the patch panel which currently had only three cables going to it and nowhere else. The switch had no lights and no cables. Network guy. They didn't give me any instructions on how to do this. Me. Well, the cables from the panel need to go either into the switch or into the phone system depending on what they are. Or if you have a separate phone system, I really can't tell you. 
network guy. So plug these into here. He pointed at the three dangling wires and then pulled out the switch. It wasn't plugged in and no cables were going into the front or back. Network guy. So where does this plug into? Me. Um, I really can't tell you. Aren't you the networking guy? Network guy. Yeah, but they didn't give me any instructions. He looked totally lost. I found a patch cable and bridged my ports. Went to the store manager and told her that the network guy seriously didn't have a clue about what he was doing. On the bright side, my machine worked first go. I just hope the network guy doesn't unplug it. It's funny, when I first got out of the service, I went to work for a, um, an interesting guy. Not really an on-the-level guy. But he had a waste oil company. In America, if you think like Safety Clean, where they go and collect used motor oil and solvents and things like that, that's kind of what our company did, just on a way smaller scale. Think family-owned. Anyway, I was one of the truck drivers, and uh, when I first got my job, the boss said, you know how to drive this truck here? I said, no, but if you leave me alone in the yard with it for 10 minutes, I'll figure it out. Sure enough, 10 minutes later, I figured out the gearing, high, low, PTO, all that stuff. Back in the day, that was before the CDL requirements came along, uh, like a year before. In New Jersey, they called it an articulated license, and I think it may have been the same in other states too, but I didn't even have one of those. Um, I barely had a regular car license, but he let me drive that truck with a couple different tanks on the back, so eh. But then we had another guy that he hired a week later, asked the same question, and the guy sort of said the same thing, but he probably spent about an hour, and he couldn't get that thing to move more than a foot without stalling it out. And uh, when he did get it to move a little bit further, he had never checked the fifth wheel to make sure it was locked in. It was actually under a trailer at that point. And the landing gear was only partially down. I'm not sure who parked that truck, but it was weird. So the landing gear is the two feet under the trailer that hold it up when it's not connected to the tractor. Yeah, this guy, he finally figured out how to get the thing moving right and uh, pulled it right out from under the trailer. So it landed on the halfway extended landing gear landing gear feet buckled and uh, ruined the tank we had a major oil spill at the time and uh, the epa shut us down for about a month so while i did okay because if i couldn't figure it out i would have told him i couldn't figure it out this guy he just kept pushing until something broke and uh yeah anyway while the network guy isn't quite as dangerous it's just never a good idea to throw somebody in the deep end without really knowing if they can actually do the work that was a long way of saying that. Just give us the servers for free. Okay, so English isn't my first language, so apologies if some technical terms are wrong or unclear. Please feel free to correct me. I work as a software engineer, and most of the time, the projects I work on with my team are either the technical support for existing SCADA systems or integration of new ones. Recently, we got a new client who acquired new buildings and is now hiring us to automate everything. We will be setting up servers and build a new system etc. for their employees to be able to view and control the lighting, heating, AC, etc. in whatever room they're in. The problem is that the existing system is running on 18-year-old software, external servers, and is incompatible with the security standards they decided on. So we gave them an outline on what we'd have to do, set up, and change to meet all their regulations and standards. This is a big client, one of the biggest companies in the automotive industry, so it's not like they're short on money for something as insignificant as building automation. Plus, they know the regulations are very high compared to smaller companies, so you'd assume they'd know to expect higher costs. Except our associate who's overseeing the whole project and who chose our company for the job expects us to use the old existing infrastructure and just, I don't know, build on top of it. I called him today to discuss the specifics, and it went something like this. 
Me equals me, A equals him. Me. Hi, I'm calling to discuss the integration of the new system. A. Right, yeah. See, I took a look at your proposal and I see you intended to install new touch panels in every room. Me. Yes, that's right. You stated that all rooms should be controllable by the employees sitting in them. The best possibility for that is having control panels in each room that allows them to change the heating, lighting, and check the AC and window contacts all in one. We feel like that's the easiest solution so that even employees who don't own company work phones have access to it. A. Yes, I approve of that idea. However, you said you would need to set up an entirely new system for it. Why is that? I know the buildings have a perfectly fine working system in place already. Me. Yes, but what you requested is not possible to build on the current Windows 2003 servers you have. A. Okay, but why not? Windows is Windows, isn't it? Me. The project includes roughly 300,000 data points for the administration buildings alone. The production facilities have even more space required to automate. Also, not every room is currently connected to the system, as you added new walls inside the building. Plus, as externally managed servers, they do not meet your required security standards and would need to be changed either way. A. Okay, so you're implementing a new SCADA system for us to use, yes? Me. That's correct. A. But since you refuse to use the existing server, I expect the upgrade to the new ones to be of no additional cost to us. Me. Uh, what do you mean? A. Since there's already infrastructure for building automation in place, I expect you to add the new servers free of cost. Changing them was your idea after all. Me. I'm sorry? That's not... Did I explain it wrong, or what exactly is unclear about the procedure? A. Nothing's wrong. What you propose makes sense to me, but the cost for the switch can't be that significant, so I expect them to be added for free as a bonus. This project is already very expensive, so it shouldn't be a loss for you to add them on top. Me. A. So did we come to an understanding? Me. No. No, we do not. I'm sorry, but that's something I need to talk about with my boss. The costs you imagine are a lot higher than you think, and this is not a decision I'm authorized to do. A. What? I googled servers and they're not that expensive. This is ridiculous. Me. I'll get back to you after discussing it with my boss. Let's schedule a meeting with the supervising team for this project and discuss the general outline and costs again. I'll send you our offer again with the cost allocation so that you can rediscuss it with your team until the meeting. The meeting is next week, and I have honestly no idea what he thought the cost of servers and their continued maintenance are because that's like one of the most expensive things about the whole project. Yet none of this makes any sense. For a big project like this, I'm quite sure that there was a bidding process, first of all, with specifications in place. There's usually your drawings, you know, your, your architecturals, your engineering drawings, your mechanicals, your overlays, and then you have a spec book. And that, that calls out everything from paint to wiring to the type of drywall to use, the type of ceiling panels, flooring, everything. So I imagine it's called out somewhere in there what needs to be done right up front. So I'm a little confused on this, but eh, what do I know? Customer expectations. I work for a software partner implementing CRM systems, and we had a customer complain about six weeks ago. They said there were three things that they were complaining about. One, that we would sometimes come back to them after a couple of weeks, and by then they would be doing something else. Two, that we didn't seem as happy to work with their other technologies as we used to. And three, we aren't as responsive to them as we used to be. I had a look into it, and as it turns out, he was quite right. Regarding point one, we would complete a piece of work, hand it over to their staff for testing, and then move on to something else until they had tested it, and told us to move it to their production system. 
Unfortunately, they had no internal project management team, so their staff would forget. A couple weeks later, we would email them going, how's it going with the testing? To which the normal reply would be, oh, we've forgotten how it works. Please remind us. The cycle would then continue. Regarding point two, the CRM system we implement has a whole host of third-party products that slot nicely into it. Additionally, we regularly make new partnerships with new third-party vendors if their product is up to scratch. The customer had signed up and installed, with no consultation with us, a random third-party system that was really bad. Like, really bad. Similar systems we recommend and work with have monthly updates to them. So when I said, this hasn't been updated in over 18 months, I was shocked to discover that the product had no updates released in the last 18 months. Regarding point three, we offer both support and project work. Support has an SLA. The project goes into the backlog. As a result, support is actually much more expensive than project and has caps on how much you can use for the project work. Want to add a new field? Fine, 15 minutes of support. Want to build an entire new module? That goes into the project backlog. We had recently been getting project requests that he expected to be done the next day. So we had the meeting and agreed to the following. One, they are a nightmare to work with. Customers said this, not us. We just heartily agreed. And they will improve in Turtle PM. Two, they will properly communicate with us when it comes to new product add-ons and integrations, bringing us into the conversations early so we can guide them. Three, they have a big project coming up that they need us to make changes to their CRM to help implement. We jokingly said, of course. However, if you're asking us to do 20 days of work in the next 30 days, we may struggle because we don't have resources just sitting around. Haha. <laughs> this meeting happened at the end of February. On March 18th, we had two emails. Hi, this is Customer. Let me introduce you to our accountants. They are putting in a new accountancy package and want to integrate it with the CRM. Also, let me introduce Vendor. This is a new software package we bought to deal with project management. And again, we want it integrated. And then five minutes later. Great news, we've won the big contract we were telling you about. Here's a list of changes we need you to make. I estimate 25 days of work, and we have to have it running by the end of the first week of April. My boss and I just looked at each other and went, fancy a pint? And went and drowned our sorrows. I found that with most companies, big or small, doesn't really matter, they generally have no idea what their own work requires completely from start to finish, let alone work that they're requesting to have done. Actually, it was kind of like that in the military too. You know, everybody thought everything could be done in, you know, a week. Even if it was four months worth of work. Oh, we can do this in a week. We can bang this out. Yeah, right. Why are calls holding? This was a first for me for sure. Got a ticket about calls not transferring to available agents and just sitting in the queue. Lots of screenshots show that there are around nine agents currently set as available. Yet calls have been in the queue for five plus minutes. Did not make any sense. I'm fairly new at this job, so I had a coworker jump into the call with me to investigate. Didn't make much sense to him either. The abandonment rate for this queue is around 70% or so. Started looking into the call flow and routing profiles. Then I discovered that the main routing profile has a delay of 600 seconds, 10 minutes on it, which effectively holds the call for 10 minutes before it'll transfer the call to an available agent. After discovering this, I let my coworker know and they also thought it was strange. We were not fully sure if this was indeed causing the issue, so we test it. I removed the delay for one queue and saved it. Right after saving, all those calls went to agents. Put it back to 600 seconds and let the users know what we had found. He advised me not to change it and he will reach out to me the next day with confirmation if it needs to be removed or not. He messaged me back and did not want the delay removed. They've also had a front end message enabled that states this upon calling in. 
Please be advised that IT support is now offered through the Virtual Agent, which can be accessed from the Virtual Agent icon located on your desktop or from the IT service catalog. For faster support, please use the Virtual Agent as we are currently experiencing long wait times. Oh yes, the old call volumes are heavier than expected. BS. Although sometimes it is true. I get it. And I'm quite sure most places who offer any kind of phone support are severely understaffed and have been for at least the last, oh, two years. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.